0: Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guest on today's podcast, joining me from Zoom from his home in St. George, is Jed Aldridge. Welcome to the podcast, Jed.
1: Thank you, Richard.
0: Um, Jed is the father of Jeffrey Aldridge, um, episode 70. Um, Jeffrey, at that time, was 28. Um, he's gay. He's a returned missionary. He's active LDS. He's married to a woman and just doing um, great things in his life. And I encourage you to re listen to episode 20 if you haven't. Um, Jed is the father of Jeffrey. Jed has been married to 43 years, 43 years in July of 2021. He's him and his wife, Starlin. Is that how I say her name? That's right. Starlin are the parents of five children, Jeffrey's the youngest and 14 grandchildren. And uh, this is a podcast, uh, just the perspective of, hey, I'm a dad and I've got a gay son, and he came out to us at age 12, which is unusual, and um, he's nearly 30 now. So Jed has been on this road for a couple decades, and our prayer is that if you're a parent new on this road or a local leader Trying to learn more about this space, that Jed will have some insights that will help you. Um, He may not have been perfect. He may even have some suggestions on things he wish he could do do overs in. I certainly do, um, as I'm learning more about this space. And so that's our prayer and our hope. And is that okay for an introduction, Jed? It it
1: is. Yes. Thank you.
0: So talk about you've got a 12 year old son. I. This is really an unusual part of the story that this young man f- felt safe talking to you about his sexual orientation at age twelve. Just start sharing this story.
1: Well, two things about uh, him coming out at twelve years old. I think two things contributed to that. One was his personality. He was and and, and continues to be very open. Um, as a dad. Uh, and as someone who tends to hold my cards close to my chest a lot of the time, um, I've had to learn to deal with how very open he is about the detail in his life. And he does so um, with a desire to help anybody uh, who might have similar issues to deal with um, so that they can, he, they can somehow relate and he can help them And so one of the things that I had to learn uh, over the years was to find my own comfort level uh, in his open communication style and just uh, let it be, let it be and understand uh, what he was trying to accomplish and respect it. So that's one thing. He's just, that was his his personality, I think, uh, prompted him at 12 years old to talk to us. The other thing that, uh, was really important to us. And I came from a very supportive home. we um, weren't, we weren't, uh, we, weren't, uh, uh, we didn't, um, demonstrate a lot of emotion to one another. That was a lot to do with, um, you know, that age and that time and that generation of parents and so forth. But, but my parents, uh, I always knew that they loved me, uh, and never was, was concerned about that fact. Growing up, my wife, on the other hand, uh, grew up in a very unstable environment. And um, uh, so she had difficulty as a child and was saved from her alcoholic mother at a very early age by her two older sisters, and then ended up with her father And um, as a young girl. And then uh, she was raised uh, Beyond that, by a good father, but a, a stepmother who, who had a daughter about uh, Starlin's age, and then, so she she dealt with that growing up and not feeling completely loved. We determined early on that uh, whatever happened, that uh, the primary focus of our relationship and our family was going to be unconditional love, and that everyone felt it regardless. It I think the first lesson we learned about that was. Um, Gosh, we'd been married, um, it was her It was her birthday. We got married July 21st, and she had her first birthday after we were married on September 8th. And I grew up in a family that didn't really celebrate birthdays. And so as a new husband, a brand new husband, um, she, uh, she asked me, you know, she asked me that, I asked her, is there anything you'd like to do for your birthday? No, honey. I didn't speak. Wife yet. I didn't speak female yet. I didn't understand the language. I was still learning it. And she, she, uh, she, I asked her a few times during the course of the day when I got back from work, I asked her again. And uh, she said, Oh, it's okay. We don't need to do anything. We don't need to go out for dinner or anything. And then so I said, Okay, and went off with my business. And then, and then she got really upset later on. And we had this big blow up for the first time in our marriage it just went crazy. And I was completely like a deer in the headlines. I didn't understand it. And, and, uh, and she, she told me, you know, how important it was and that I needed to understand that. And then after this big first argument, she expressed to me that she said, does this mean we're going to get divorced? And that's why I told that whole story was, does this mean we're going to get divorced? Does this mean we're already on the path of divorce? And I, I kind of looked at her with a big question mark on my face I said, what? Divorce? We just, we had an argument, you know, and she had been, um, she kind of learned through her life that, you know, the first argument she ever saw her biological mother with her father have resulted in a divorce. And so that's what clicked with her. And so it, It took me a long while to help her feel unconditional love that regardless of what we went through and everything that we learned about each other and so forth, that we loved each other unconditionally. And that, that was the foundation for ensuring and her certainly ensuring as the mother who was home with the kids most of the time. And I traveled a lot for my work, um, that she showed unconditional love regardless And so when Jeff came to us at 12 years old, I hope and believe that he felt that regardless of uh, how dramatic his announcement was that he would be loved and supported unconditionally, that his home would always be a safe harbor regardless. And that's, uh, anyway, that's, That's how we got started. And that's the story behind uh, him coming out to us.
0: Talk about that first, um, maybe let's divide this in the first year, the first six months, he comes out at age 12. Um, What advice would you give to parents that have just learned they've got a, they're LDS parents that have an LGBTQ kid Go back to when your young boy was just twelve years old. What would you say in this first period of time to other parents?
1: Well, I, regardless of the unconditional love, I was still a shocked father. This was surreal to me. Um, I I didn't understand it. I didn't comprehend it. It was my first exposure up front, close and personal with. Um, with this issue. And, uh, so I, I think the best thing that I did was to basically keep my mouth shut (laughs) as a father. This is for me personally, just to not say anything and let my brain process and listen, let him talk. And then his mother, uh, was kind of the mouthpiece for us at first, you know, to just, reassure him and talk through it and get him to talk more. And I was able to absorb all the things that he had to say. I still struggled a lot. It was really hard for me. And and, um, all of those traditional thoughts that people talk about run through your mind. Oh, my goodness. My son's not going to be married in the temple. Uh, He's not going to have a family. Uh, he's not going to enjoy all of these blessings that we want him to enjoy, et cetera. Those are all the things that ran through my mind at first. Uh, I was processing at high speed in my brain and just keeping my mouth shut. And, um, and so as I worked through all of that, little by little, and got through the initial shock, um, my mind was eventually able to calm down and begin to process real time to the point where I could ask questions and receive answers and try to deal with them well. Now, certainly didn't deal with them well all of the time. In fact, obviously, I've, I've gotten better over the years. Uh, in the beginning, I would, it was just best for me to be a conscientious observer because I was really struggling. Immediately, I had memories of, um, of my son. He was different as a baby. In Over the years, we've been asked to speak uh, with Jeff once or twice. And in those presentations, people have asked me, you know, about Jeff, did I see this and so forth when he was younger, whatever. So it didn't occur to me to look for that. I did see having raised two boys and two girls by that point and two boys. I I was used to the difference in two boys and two girls. This was a little boy who did not play with the trucks and the soldiers and the guns and so forth. He played with the dolls and he, uh, he became very much focused on um, Disney princesses and most especially the Little Mermaid. And he wanted a Little Mermaid doll. And I struggled with that as a father because as, as a little boy, I thought, and it's stereotypical when you see representations of this on TV and so forth, you know, men are trying to make sure that their sons are playing with uh, trucks and not dolls and so forth. that was kind of a struggle I was going through. And my wife, uh, got him a little mermaid doll Disney. And, and I struggled with that and there were other things that he had. And, and I actually, um, as I recall, I'm trying to remember, it's been a long time and my wife would remember every detail about this as would Jeff, but I have, um, I've managed to block it out conveniently, but, uh, I took that doll away from him. I I took it away. And uh, the reason I bring that up was that, uh, and eventually it was given back to him after his mother spoke to me about it. But uh, through a counseling session that he had many years later, he revealed to his counselor that that was a difficult moment for him as my son, his father. That really left an, uh, a lasting impact on his mind and his emotion and so forth a memory. And um, and so he came to me after that counseling session, many years later, he came to me and said, Dad, I just spoke to my counselor about this. And he said, I've got a real issue with this. And this is what happened. And this is what you did. And uh, so we talked about it for a while. And to uh, make up for my transgression in his life, I uh, I, I I I went to uh, Amazon and looked up and found a Little Mermaid doll and kit, and I ordered it for him and I gave it to him as a gift. Wow! And uh, that was kind of years later, me saying I'm so sorry for how I reacted in this situation. I didn't understand. I respect this about you, but he was highly sensitive. He was different than the other boys, um, raising him. And, uh, so, um, yeah, that, that, that was, uh, something that I dealt with before all of this came out uh, on some level.
0: That's a great story, Jed. On behalf of our listeners, thanks for your vulnerability to share that story. Takes a little courage to share things like that, that we as fathers wish we'd handled a little differently. But I think this is one of the things I love about the Aldridge family is that um, that's helpful for our listeners. If you've all navigated complicated things and um, are really close family, it's just a beautiful family love story. And I recognize, you know, I've got a couple kids that are pretty sensitive to this idea that we should... They're better at I am of just letting their kids choose the interests that their kids want to choose and and sort of let them chart their course when it comes to their interests. I would be hesitant as a father. We're not far from the same age. I assume you're a little older than me because my you know, well, maybe because you your youngest is about the same age as my oldest. But anyway, I would have probably responded the same way. But I think we're learning just to let our children and grandchildren follow the interests that are interesting to them and not create shame around, especially at a young age, how they want to enjoy their time.
1: Well, I, I, I understood that feeling um, from my, from my personal life in that I came from a very, a very athletically oriented family, uh, football, baseball, did all of that wrestling several wrestling championships in the family uh, among the there were four boys and two girls but uh, I was even though I participated in sports and I liked them well enough that I was creative. I liked to write I was very heavily involved in music uh, from an early age and I liked to sing for people and so forth and I did that throughout my life growing up and um, so I was a different, I was a different. Uh, I was a horse of a different color for my dad to deal with um, in terms of the things that I was interested in, and and so I understood it from that perspective as well, um, wanting to be appreciated, supported in things I, I loved, um, you know, separate from my brothers.
0: Did you think? Talk about some of the things you might have thought. Um, in this first period of time, did you think this was a phase that Jeff would outgrow this somehow or you would be able to overcome it or these would be logical things parents would want or wonder, especially if you, you know, have these dreams for your kids, the temple marriage, a family, talk about that. And, and that's partly you talking to other parents that may wonder if this is a phase or can pass.
1: Absolutely had those feelings and thoughts um many times. Is this a phase?
0: Kind of is this did you think it was a phase that
1: this- I did I did many times and I think that's very typical and I think any father who has those feelings uh over and over again and and, and uh it, it's hard to let go of them and and um you always wonder if it's going to be a phase. Now he I had to, the reason my mind went to kind of, you know, letting the reins loose a bit was um, he was, in, in. as he got a little older, he started to experiment with that and dating age and so forth. He had crushes on boys and it was hard for me to listen to him because he would talk freely with his mother uh, about crushes he had on boys and stuff. And, and that was hard for me to listen to. And I stayed out of that because I really didn't at the time have anything positive or a a good contribution to that conversation. It was hard for me. But uh, so uh, he, uh, he reached a point as he got older where a young man that he encountered who wanted to pursue him, and he brought him to the house. And we tried to be very respectful of that. That was extremely difficult for me, but I just let it happen. And he brought him to the house. And, um, and then uh, at one point, uh, they, were, they were sitting on the couch in the living room and so forth. And we were talking, trying to get to know this young man. And at one point, they went downstairs into the media room you know, and closed the door. And I remember thinking, now I need to give him his freedom. I need to give him his freedom. And, and trust him. And then the thought hit me, wait a second, if that were one of my daughters down in a similar situation, I would probably go down there and, and open the door and make sure things were okay at that point, you know, um, because, uh, it, you know, we just, um, we were careful about those things. We didn't want to be overbearing. We wanted the kids to feel like they had freedom, but we knew from our experience that you just needed to be you know, to make sure that, you know, the kids uh, knew that we were there and how they should conduct themselves. And so I checked and sure enough, they were, they were having a makeout session (laughs) and that stopped it immediately, but it was, it was uh, devastating to me to see, I didn't, I, I did my best not to react to it just to say, this is, you know, I'd, I'd rather this not happen, you know, in my home and so forth guys. Uh, And I would have said the same thing to one of my daughters. So I felt justified in expressing that. And so that's kind of how I tried to measure my responses to things too, is, is this what I would do with one of my daughters in the same situation? Or am I being unfair to him because of this, you know, because of his uh, orientation? Anyway, that...
0: uh, I love that story. And that's an honest story. And I... I talked to a lot of parents that try to, there's no real owner's manual how to navigate it. This, if they're gay or lesbian, teenage, you know, age kids start to date. And I like the general principles that you lay down in your home. You have the same rules for your straight kids as, as you did for Jeff. And um, I think that's kind of the best way to navigate this. And I, I think you're honest that it was, difficult um, to see. Yeah. I think it's difficult for LDS parents to see their gay or lesbian children same-sex date. Um, but I love the way you were honest about it and and welcomed and tried to get to know him. And I, it's just a kind of a complicated space. Um, talk about, I want to just What advice, you know, Jeff ended up marrying a woman. How old was he when he got married to, and I forgot his wife's name?
1: Cassie, Cassandra. Well, first of all, Cassie
0: is... And they've been long-term friends.
1: They were very close friends. In fact, at one point, Cassie had had kind of a difficult situation. Her mother died prematurely after surgery when she was a teenager, and she was a close friend of Jeff's. And at one point in time, because we had room in our home and there was an extra room uh, and so forth, because she was a close friend of Jeff's, we had her, you know, we 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 brought her into our home and allowed her to live here for an extended period of time. She didn't have a place to live. And uh she was just kind of getting herself up and running as a as a teenager and 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 finding a job in addition to school. To support herself and so on. So that's how we got to know Cassie. And she is an extremely, wow, loving person. And I, I just feel blessed every day that he found her. She, he learned very quickly that that friend, the, the relationship of friendship, where they connected on such a deep level, uh, was the deeper side of love. That he wanted to enjoy. This young man that he was making out with in our home and others that followed, um, he realized eventually were very predatory and they weren't looking for relationships, long term relationships. Now, if there had been that kind of a situation, you know, one thing that I determined I would not do because I saw it, I saw it around us was um, if our son or daughter, one of our children had a relationship with the same sex and they wanted to come home and bring them in for dinner, Thanksgiving, whatever, that that was always going to be something they could do and that we would treat them with respect and love as we would anyone. And, um, but, uh, he didn't, he just, he decided to Cassie went on a mission and ironically she, she was called to, Uh, the Cleveland, Ohio mission where my oldest son, Jeff's older brother served. And also my middle daughter, Kimberly's uh, husband, Tyler served also in the Cleveland mission. She went there and um, anyway, she served there and we actually would write to her and so forth, back and forth and we're communicating with her while she was on her mission. At the same time, Jeff went on a service mission His state president. um, We couldn't get him to give Jeff a green light on a mission. And so Jeff ended up uh, getting to know the state president at the college and um, he ended up giving Jeff a green light on a service mission. So he served in Salt Lake city for a year and a half. But um, after that, they both got home and got to know each other again. And that friendship blossomed and uh, he started to feel that deeper level of love for her and friendship. And it's very unique, and is a, it's it's a good example for all of us in relationships, whatever they may be.
0: Hi, um, listeners, as you may have know, I've picked up and written in the book. I've, you know, we call these mixed orientation marriages where um, one or two partners are not straight, and I kind of thought all those marriages blew up because those are the only ones I was aware of. And then since stepping in this space and doing podcasts with couples in mixed orientation marriages, I recognize that there's some beautiful love stories and those marriages are real and valid and authentic. And we shouldn't look at those marriages and be dismissive of them or say they're not authentic or valid or somehow fake. That just adds to the burden of anybody's marriage to have people looking over their shoulder and sort of judging that marriage. And I also don't think we should say one or the other is more of a hero for making that work it, and just recognize that every marriage takes both committed partners. I think listeners know the church doesn't invite people or encourage people to go down that road, but at the same time, if people choose to go down that road and Jeff and Cassandra are obviously very open about Jeff's sexual orientation, then we should put our arms around couples like that and hope that those marriages succeed, and this one is succeeding. And um, every LGBTQ person needs to find their path. And let's don't make it harder for them because they've chose a path that isn't um, a path that we or some LGBTQ may choose. Are you okay with that, Jed? I just editorialized a little bit on your podcast, but I'd love to get your thoughts on that.
1: I've, I agreed with every word, Richard, and I, and yes, they're both, they're both, uh, equally heroes in this scenario, Jeff, uh, you know, Jeff has to struggle with things. Cassie has to struggle with things, but through it all and, and happily as Jeff communicates, and I know that he's very, very open and spontaneous and honest in his communication. He's never been anything, but so when he says, and he said just the other day to his mother on the phone, mom, I, I feel like I just love her more and more every day. Our relationship's ship gets deeper and she is his confidant. He, he talks to her about how he's feeling and they talk openly and freely to each other. And that's part of it. But the other, another element of that relationship is those two little boys that they have in common that bring them so close together in, in ensuring that they're growing up in a healthy, loving environment.
0: I, I, I think you used the word predatory to describe some of the men that were interested in your son. And, um, you know, listeners, as I meet, um, off the podcast, sometimes people reach out and especially a young LGBT person, a gay man or a lesbian woman. Um, my advice is if you feel like you're going to the same sex date is to go really slow and date people your age and, and, And recognize that you may be looking for validation and someone that supports your orientation because it's sometimes hard to get that. And they may be looking for a physical relationship and not the sort of um, committed relationship that you're looking for. So you just have to go really slow if you're going to go down that road and and, and, um, take Heavenly Father with you. And I think just like for straight people, you need to be the very best personal space you can be before you start dating. Um, because if you're in a position of weakness and very vulnerable and looking for validation, um, somebody that's a little bit more of a predator that's looking for different things can take advantage of that dynamic in a way that harms you and um, is not helpful for you and maybe puts you even in a worse place long term as you become physically intimate in a situation that really wasn't about about friendship and connection. So are you okay with that segment, Jed? I editorialized again.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, Richard. And let me just add this one thought. I absolutely firmly believe that the more that child feels loved, unconditional love and support, uh, the less vulnerable they are to predatory uh, people. You know, they, they don't have to look to them for you know, demonstrations of quote unquote love.
0: I agree with that. And, uh, talk about, um, this obviously wasn't a phase. When did that become aware to you that, that, you know, that Jeffrey is going to be gay, is gay and is going to be gay and this is going to be part of his life?
1: Well, I, I, I learned because once again, um, the unique aspect, or at least uh, unique to us, and maybe not quite as common as what's the norm out there, but because Jeff is so open his communication, maybe I, I as a father had a faster learning curve than some are blessed with be- because of his open communication. And because I bit my lip, although sometimes it got pretty bloody, uh, and allowed him to communicate, that helped me uh, absorb the fact that this is just, and 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 frankly, in retrospect, once we got out, got all of that out, and I knew who he was from birth. You know, I accepted the fact that this is who he is, and and uh, how how he deals with that, and, and so forth. What path he chooses is his to take. My job is to support him in all of that with unconditional love. I can't say it enough. And also with a listening ear. And sons, gay sons need involved fathers who, from whom they feel support. Um, This is such a huge deal. And I have faltered so many times in my support of my son over the years. And I have been taken uh, to task many times by my wife, who is a very strong person, personality and learned at a young age to stand up for herself. And I just, that's one of the things I admired about her was she was so strong and independent. And I knew that, uh, she wouldn't take anything from me. She would definitely hold me accountable for everything, and that I would learn from her. That's one thing that I, I looked for in, in a companion, and she certainly has been that. But um, anyway, that's that's my response to the question.
0: I love this phrase, Jed, an involved father. What, how talk to other fathers of what they can do to be involved with their gay sons. And I I think this is more communication driven versus activity driven. And so it sounds like you've got a son that's pretty open about how he's feeling and even who he's dating or has a crush on. And talk to other fathers about, well, you know, how they can be involved and what questions they can ask. And what's the right level of just talking to your gay sons or daughters?
1: Well, it took me a long time to get past this stage of running for the other room when discussions broke out and allowing mom to carry the ball. It took me a long time to get that past that stage to where I didn't think that I would uh, detract from the communication rather than add some some, some positive uh, whatever perspective to it. So once I was able to get past what I, what I had to do, I had to force myself in the beginning too, because he he was trying to feel me out too in terms of what was safe territory with dad. You know, he did not want to light the fuse. He didn't know what the fuse was, and he certainly didn't know, other than our normal lives, in terms of how we deal with our children and so forth, he certainly didn't know how short the fuse was. So he had enough to deal with in his life. He wasn't about to go light another fuse that would blow up in his face. Um, so what I learned within a couple of years is was I had to take moments and I tried to rely on inspiration and, and, and I will, um, I will be on the spiritual side. I will testify that you will receive impressions of moments when you should approach your child and ask them how they're doing or ask certain specific questions. Those questions will come to your mind or situation or so forth. And you have to act. The one thing you learn over the years, I learned this a few valuable lessons early on that helped me more and more to act on impressions. And the more you act on those impressions, the more you recognize them and the more blessings you realize from them. But I I relied on that. and, And from those discussions, I learned how to talk to my son and he learned how to talk to me and that it was safe for him to talk to me. He also learned he could tell. You know, he can read my body language, and my face, and everything. And I'm not very good at it. my. I've always been told I would be a terrible poker player. Um, but he 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 knew what made me uncomfortable, and he tread very carefully on those territory on that territory. But um, I still, you know, I had to work to find comfort levels in, in those discussions. And little by little, we got to the point where we could discuss pretty much anything, um, you know, any, any discussion that my child, and as they get older and they become adults, obviously that opens itself up to more open and deeper conversations about life, about sexuality, et cetera. You know, so um, it was just practice and following impressions. Now, one of the things I did Uh, I believe Jeff was maybe 16, 17, I'm trying to remember. He is a huge Disney fan, as I've mentioned before. And so I did a trip with him alone. And and he and I drove to Disneyland and we spent several days, and I believe it was remember when it was very crowded. I remember that. It was elbow to elbow during that time. But we spent several days together at Disneyland and had a lot of conversations, just a lot of positive um, positivity between us in that experience because it was it was a safe territory for him and and we enjoyed it together. And he still talks about those moments and remembers far more detail than I do about those moments. And I tried to have specific experiences with him like that were just between the two of us. And I was rewarded, I I believe, far more than he was by those experiences and given insight and understanding, which is what life is all about, to continue to grow our insight and understanding and wisdom and knowledge. And uh, that my dear son, Jeff, has contributed greatly to the palate that I've that I have of, of, of all of those things in life. And I am great. I am very appreciative of that and the, and the person that he is.
0: That is cool, Jed. I just recognize the symbolism of going to Disneyland, spending multiple days at Disneyland compared to taking that doll away from him as a young boy. Um, And just the, you know, this, this kind of relationship that you want to do something that he wanted to do. And you were proud to be there with him and celebrate what he wanted to do. A lot of dads would love to take their sons to several baseball games in a row or several football games in a row or outdoor trucking events. I don't know. You know, I'm sort of doing the typical guy thing. But I just like that you recognized Jeff's interest and who he is and just wanted to meet him where he wanted to be and and move towards him as a parent. And so you could have this communication that then opened and how much that meant to him, the symbolism of that you just wanted to be there for something that he was interested in. You're not embarrassed about that interest, but you're enjoying celebrating that with him. I think that's just a great parenting story in any situation. Um, and I think it's interesting um, that this is your fifth kid. So it's not like you're you do have the perspective, as you mentioned, of raising two daughters and two sons and just recognizing Jeff was different from a young age and adapting to who he is and adapting your parenting um, to his needs. Um, but I love that you just, you know, went to Disneyland with him and and sort of de-shamed anything. You know, it's a de-shaming bend if it needed to be at that point for him. It certainly did that. It's just dad wanted to be with me and in my happy one of my happy places. Um, I'd love you to talk about. I I do listeners really believe that parents get personal revelation for their kids. Um, sometimes it comes a little stronger through mothers. That's certainly true in our home, but I I wouldn't want to rule out dads because um, I've certainly at times felt personal revelation for our kids, and I think our heavenly parents trust their children to us that are parents and. And I think sometimes these LGBTQ kids are specifically assigned to to families because the parents will love them in a way and support them in a way that our Heavenly Father, Heavenly Parents knew they would. And they want then, if you go down that logic road, then you want um, somebody like Jed, who has great influence over Jeffrey, to receive personal revelation as he's prayerful on what he can do to support his kids. Any more thoughts on just your role as a father and the personal revelation you receive?
1: Well, as I talked before, um, you need to learn to be open to it. Once again, it's, it's, it's almost a skill kind of, and we need to get better at it, but it's, uh, um, you know, acting on impressions and having the courage and the strength and so forth to act on them. Um, For our LDS uh, listeners out there, um, if not, but uh, Jeff is one who, when he was going through a very intense time uh, through his teen years, he asked for a lot of priesthood blessings, a lot of priesthood blessings. And um, there were times when uh, it had just been maybe two days or something And when I would say, "Son, I just gave you a blessing, Dad," I, you know, and I learned very quickly that uh, I needed to, I needed to just brush all that aside and respond whenever he asked for a priesthood blessing. And I also learned that even no matter how often they were given, they were unique impressions that were given for the moment. He was going through such intense. Sort of personal evolution at the time and trying to deal with things that he was seeking inspiration outside of himself. And frankly, he felt himself uh, not worthy uh, uh, a lot of that time to receive those inspirations himself. And he thought that dad, through his priesthood, could provide what he didn't feel worthy to receive himself. He's since learned differently that uh, he's he's got. Even more, uh, you know, opportunity to to communicate directly with Heavenly Father, and receive those impressions, and has become very strong in that regard. But um, so I, I learned that uh, that giving him those priesthood blessings was was really important. That I needed to just not uh, resist it, but to go with it.
0: Talk about. I recorded a podcast yesterday with a young man, 21-year-old who's gay, Dallas Campbell. Listeners had paused casts maybe before this one or after this one, but look for it. And in his Instagram coming out story, he talked about the comments he heard at times. Um, He didn't identify who they came to, but one comment was, you know, the worst thing I can imagine as a parent is having a gay child. Um, and he just over the years he would heard comments and that was part of the reason he needed to come out is so that people knew he was gay and he could kind of curb the comments. But my question for you is, and maybe you felt some of that before Jeff came out and I think it's logical that a lot of LDS parents might feel that would be a really hard thing. Are, are you Are you glad you have a gay son? Um, would you change it if you could and, and what lessons? And what beauty has come into your entire family because you've got a gay son?
1: Uh, there's just, I can't even begin to, uh, yeah, to, to count any the many lessons that I've learned from Jeff and his situation. And frankly, here's the thing, Richard, That I, here's, the, here's the point that I've gotten to. It's just like um, I, I, with any of my children. I've started to see, you know, in terms of Jeff and his sexual orientation. Now, I said, but but each one of my each one of my children is unique in their own way and has their own unique challenges and strengths, etc. And so, I've just started to, you know, other than Jeff's uh, propensity, far more than any of our kids to communicate openly and. And widely about his feelings uh, in detail. That's the unique thing that um, I've had to get used to, but uh, that's unique about him. But uh, I, he's just one of my kids, and we love him and we support him. Now, if he had a male companion, if he had been married uh, uh, to a male companion or had a male companion, we would treat that individual with, with love as we do our in-laws, sons, and daughters, they would be part of our family. Um, I, I feel, and frankly, the, the Spirit has manifested to me many times, that it's my job to show forth that unconditional love, the Christ-like love, charity, and so forth equally to all of them. It's the Lord's job to, to judge whatever it is that needs to be judged, For me and all of them, everyone, it's not my place. My place is to love unconditionally and to forgive and hope that I'm forgiven. But uh, to, to be all the things that I can be as a parent to him, as well as all of my children. And so he has just become, he's just one of my children. Let me just share this. This is a unique thing that happened very recently. Um, through through all of the learning and so forth i've still i've still struggled with what what 's going to happen in the future in terms of what I believe in terms of the gospel and um, where we 've been, why we 're here and where we 're going, and so on and so forth. My wife and I one thing that we very much enjoyed until they closed our temple was working in the temple and uh,
0: and that beautiful St George temple.
1: Oh, we so we just felt so privileged to be there in, in the unique history that's there as well. And we, we look forward to when it opens, but we just absolutely loved it. And so very often you're reciting those ordinances and covenants that are so very important and precious to us as members of our church. And so um, those are on your mind a lot. But very recently, my son was having a conversation with my wife this was just maybe a month ago he was here visiting he came for a few days to visit on his own he needed some time here he came and i i walked in and their conversation stopped for a bit and i said what are you talking about you know and uh, so at that point in time, Jeff chose to share something with me that he had shared with his mother sometime before, which tells you after all these years, I'm still catching up. Um, but uh, there were insights that he gave me spiritually, impressions that he had received in his own personal spiritual life that he had shared with his mother And subsequently shared with me because he wanted me to be ready for it. And he felt in that moment that I was. And he shared some things with me that just pierced my heart. And as those of you who felt inspiration come, that light, that warmth, that elevation in understanding that comes to you in a moment uh, that confirms the truth of something came to me in that discussion, in that moment. And it just was so much joy. It was so much joy for me. Now I will say this, there are things in our lives individually where the Lord reveals to us as we are ready for them. And, uh, if we've evolved enough for them, he revealed things to us that are beyond the levels of the norm of, of things. And he does it for us personally. And we most certainly feel the impression at the time that these things are far too sacred and very specifically uh, directed at us individually and not to be shared, but only to say this, that the Lord, after all these years, in that moment, bless me with a peace regarding my son uh, that um, I found great joy in. And, and I, will, I will just say that and hope that that's enough, Richard.
0: I think that's great, Jed. And I think part of that piercing, wonderful piercing feeling you have is just this honest communication that's occurring in your home um, with difficult topics. And I think it's healthy for us to be able to talk about difficult topics at home and for kids to be able to be open about how they feel and their thoughts and their hopes and dreams and concerns. And I think you, and usually that comes easier for moms (laughs) and dads. Um, but I think your story is a beautiful story of just, um, your journey to be able to um, I think you've done a great job, and I think if Jeffrey could pipe in the podcast right now, he'd probably say, Dad, you're being too hard on yourself, and you've been there with me, And um, but I think these are beautiful moments of just a family coming together, and listeners, some of the families that have an LGBTQ child, they just talk about it first. This has been their would be their worst, scariest thing um, as a couple's planning their future and thinking about their kids, and they would sometimes think, well, one of the scariest things that could ever happen to us, we have a gay kid, and then, they, then that reality happens. And then after a period of time, a lot of families and a lot of you are listening, who you know this firsthand, just talk about how this has just taught us the gospel of Jesus Christ, brought us closer together, increased our family's ability to have honest and vulnerable and needed and healing conversations, and has just been a blessing to our family. And so, this very thing we were the most fearful of in some ways has become the greatest blessing. And the LGBTQ person that's the middle of that is often somebody with incredible Christ like attributes and gifts and contributions. And one of Jeff's is his open communication. That's a gift. Um, And so, that's just for those families that are new on this road and um, just learning about an LGBTQ child. I also think that's true of the ward. When some are coming out to their ward and being able to be honest about who they are and are feeling like they belong in their congregations, being out as an LGBTQ person, often that's really helpful for the LGBTQ person, but it really helps the ward um, grow in a way that wasn't possible without out-LGBTQ people. And that's certainly been true in my life, to have more people in my life that are LGBTQ and the things that they teach me about the gospel of Jesus Christ and to firsthand see their ability to lift and heal and bring hope to others. Uh, more thoughts, Jed, as you're I have a feeling that more impressions are coming onto your mind of things you'd like to share. You know, how your family's, just how we're all better off by having LGBTQ people and even know that's something that I'm sure you and Starlin, when you're first starting your family 40 years ago, never thought would happen. You know, now at 43 years later, you've been on this road for almost two decades with Jeffrey. I assume you wouldn't change anything. And I assume your family's closer together and you better understand the gospel of Jesus Christ.
1: Jeff has a strong testimony. And uh, certainly um, in the church, that's the most important thing to us as parents is for our kids to... Be able to endure on that path and not stray far from it, um, because of the long-term and lasting consequences. And and uh, it, it, I was I was going to say earlier, and it just uh, escaped my mind at the moment, was that um, the uh, as we see parents who who go through. And and we're experiencing a little bit of this in our family, where you see children stray from the path of the gospel through all that's going on in the world today. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's the thing that we're afraid of that scares us the most. Not an LGBTQ child or loved one but one who strays away from. Now, one thing that I and my wife stress to my son always and would stress to any of our kids, once again, it was with one with all who was the same, and that is that the, the principles of the gospel, the tenets of the gospel um, remain the same regardless of orientation. And the Lord, ex- Lord expects us to stay true to our covenants our promises regardless of whatever, wherever our life takes us. And so, you know, that's the one thing that I would say to any of my kids and stress with my son Jeff as well was that um, uh, regardless, um, the rules apply, the Lord has given us standard rules that apply. He is the only, he'll sort everything out in the end. And that's where we have to have faith that in the end, the Lord will judge and he'll sort everything out in the end and make sure that everyone is treated fairly according to their life experiences.
0: Those are great thoughts, great thoughts about the gospel of Jesus Christ and how to apply it practically in a family and that foundation that's given you this beautiful, you know, this Experience you're having as a family. um Your good wife Starlin is. You know, sometimes we do podcasts with both parents, with you or the other. Just what would this is kind of you speaking for Starlin, but I just love you and Starlin to kind of just speak to Jeffrey if he's listening. Just your feelings as this last segment to your youngest son.
1: Uh, I'm proud of who he is. I'm. He's my. I've I've, I've called him my hero. On a number of occasions he is my hero in so many ways the strength that he has honestly i can't imagine uh, as many things as i've had to deal with in my life as with anyone i can't imagine having to deal with what he's been through in his life and i consider him a true hero for that and uh he has had to endure mental um health issues throughout his life as well. A lot of counselors, a lot of medications, all of the ups and downs and so forth that come with that. And in recent months, he, uh, he has finally found something that has just, and I've seen a big change in him, has just really lifted him into the light more so emotionally and physically so that he's able to optimize uh, the kind of service and so forth that he renders to those outside of himself. Um, And that's something that I found myself as a father early on in the process. And through his teen years, teens tend to think about their personal issues far more than those around them. That's just part of our life, evolution. But... I just, in his situation, I would say to him so many times that, son, if you could just find a way to focus on those around you and how you could serve them, it could bring some relief to all this pain you're feeling inside, because I know it does for me, and we all have experienced that, but um, he, he does that freely and openly and as often as he can, and so he's my hero in that regard, too, far better than I could ever do. And um, we just love him. And he knows it. I can honestly say he knows how much we love him, how much I love him as his father and how proud I am of him.
0: It's a great final segment, Jed. And on behalf of all of of our listeners, thank you, Jed. Um, Listeners, Jed actually reached out to me. Um, I didn't track Jed down. He reached out to me. Many of our guests do. And I think that's just a sign that Jed wanted to be a voice of support, not only to Jeffrey, but to just other parents and acted on an impression he felt to track me down and come on the podcast. And he shared some wonderful insights that are helpful to me and hopefully helpful to you as listeners. But I think it also, it's sort of like going to Disneyland. You know, you've sort of kind of stepped into Jeffrey's space because he did a podcast, episode 270. And. And you felt impressed to join him in this space and talk about him and and um, your family story. And I think that's a wonderful thing you've done, Jed. So on behalf of our listeners, thank you. This is Richard Osler and Jed Aldridge signing off on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love.